Welcome to the Calvary Servanthood Community Church podcast, where we're building a servanthood Christian community which develops leaders and serves the body of Christ through evangelism, discipleship, and teaching. As you're about to go into the Word, get your pens, get your notepads, and we pray that this be a blessing as it was to us. God bless you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning. Father, we're raising our hands, we're raising our eyes, our hearts and our ears unto you, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Holy One of Israel, we come before your holy throne of mercy and grace with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come before you, Father, with praise and say you are God and no one else. We worship you this morning. We worship you, our Messiah. We worship you, our Redeemer and our Savior. For you are God and you alone is worthy to receive honor, power, and praise in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is here with us this morning. And we thank you and welcome him in the name of Jesus. For God, we know that in his presence, all things will work out orderly. In his presence, your touch is here in the name of Jesus. We pray that God, as we're going to listen to your word, we pray for your life in this word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You may take your seats. Greetings, brethren, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let me welcome you in this place again, especially those that came after the welcome has been made. Be at home. Let me also welcome our first-time visitors that are fellowshipping with us today for the first time and thank them for choosing to come to fellowship with us today. May the Lord bless you. We trust and hope that your visitation is an appointment with God and that by his divine intervention and measure, you will receive what he has intended for you today in the name of Jesus. We are in our vision month of September and part of the vision of Calvary Seven Dude Community Church 
is to build and to create a saving community. We are founded on the scripture, as you, you can see in Matthew 23, verse 11, that the greatest amongst you shall be your servant. If you want to be great in the house of God, you serve. Jesus said himself that the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. We have also been called to serve. And we serve Christ through his body, which is amongst us, is us. The body of Christ does not exist somewhere in a vacuum. It exists in our presence. The Bible says when, after God created man in the book of Genesis, he breathed unto man his spirit, and man became a living spirit. Now when you look at man, you must know that the spirit of God lives in the man. When you look at yourself, the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, when you serve men, you are serving God. Hallelujah. We walk around with God in us. When we serve, we serve with God being in us and being amongst us. And by virtue of service, then God will elevate us into the next level. Hallelujah. It is God that is going to elevate us. It's God that is going to promote us. It's God that is going to bless us. It's God that is going to move us from our point zero to another point. From level zero to another level. It is God that is going to take us from our challenges, out of the challenges that we know, into a victorious path. Amen. It is when we serve that we will experience God in that way. Now I pray and wish that when you are seated there, associating yourselves with Calvary Seventh-day Community Church, in your heart, you know that you are associating yourselves with a ministry of saving. Hallelujah. Amen. You are associating yourself with the ministry of saving. And the ministry of saving is the ministry of Christ. Because he said he did not come to be saved, but to serve. Now, if you want to be great, associate yourselves with the ministry of Christ and serve the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Just a refresher. Um, I'm sure those that attended the Bible service on Thursday, unfortunately, I've got very difficult Thursday evenings. I never have time to, uh, uh, to join the, the, the Bible study. But I'm, I'm sure that you, you've gone through 
the refresher in, in the, in the uh, Bible study. Now, as you serve, as you walk, as you live, as you behave and show certain attributes of you in the process, there are certain benefits that you unconsciously create for yourself. The Bible says Abraham, by his way of living and believing God, by his faith and way of living, two things happened. One, righteousness was credited to his life. Righteousness was credited to him. He was called righteous. But secondly, God trusted him with his covenant. Amen. Amen. Um, maybe we need to read so that you can get a little bit. And, and they have read Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Hallelujah. 17 verse 1. God said to him, Walk and live habitually. Now, the, the word habitually means make it your norm. Make it your character. Make it your habit. Let it be that it cannot be disassociated with you. When, when you walk, let it be evident in your walk. Let it be a habit. That's the little game of Huarao. I be even the day you do something out of the ordinary, which is outside this habit, we will be surprised. We must be even saying, in fact, this is not how he is. If we hear that he has done something, we must be surprised that not him, because it is not his habit. It is not in his character to speak like that. It is not in his character to behave like that. Now God says to Abraham, walk and live in a particular habit or within a particular habit before me. And when you do that, 
I will make my covenant with you. Now, the covenant was conditional upon a particular habit. It was not just because you are Abraham, now I've chosen you, I'm entering into this covenant with you, and there is nothing. There are conditions to the covenant of God. And, and when you get out of the character and the conditions, when you begin to do things that are not supposed to be done by the character that you are supposed to be, then you jeopardize the covenant. Hallelujah. Now, this righteousness in Abraham, the credit of righteousness is at the discretion of God. Or should I say the measure of credit of righteousness is at the discretion of God. Because it is conditional upon the way you live and the way you walk. Hallelujah. <laughs> and part of the covenant is, or the results of the covenant, when it is fulfilled, is multiplicity and increase. They, they read this morning, uh, Pastor Aziz, about Abraham saying to the king of Sodom, lest you say you made me rich. Because if you move out of the condition of the covenant, there are certain things that will be attributed to you by other people. And when they have done that and attribute those things to you, they will claim some little victory in you. When you grow up, they said, no, let's go. It is me that made him who he is or what he is. Now Abraham says, I am taking nothing out of you because part of my covenant is to walk habitually in the sight of God and in front of God to ensure that the covenant that I have with him is not jeopardized by some little things such as material stuff. Now the king was offering him material things. He says, don't worry, just give me the people. You can keep everything that you have. And Abraham says, lest you think you're going to say you made me rich. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, we will come back to it when we have time. In the book of Genesis chapter 18 verse 14, um, they read it before verse 14, but I just kept verse 14 here where Abraham and Sarai were laughing about 
the fulfillment of the promise. They were laughing about the execution and the coming to being of the covenant. And they have accepted the covenant. They are walking in the covenant. But while they are walking in the covenant, sometimes it happens to them that they look at themselves and says, we believe the covenant, but our circumstances do not allow us to agree or to believe that the fulfillment of the covenant, it is going to be in our lifetime and through us. Now the challenge there or the problem is that they found themselves with the knowledge of their capabilities as human beings and or their abilities as human beings and limited themselves to the surroundings of their age, limited themselves to the surrounding of their knowledge of their troubles. I'm sure they've been trying to have a child for a long time and they know that it did not happen. But now at this age, what we know is People of our age do not bear children. Hallelujah. Sometimes the things we know are the ones that make us not to reach our potential. The things that we have observed and have experienced make us to develop a spirit of unbelief. And even question God. Well, it happened even when Jesus was at the cross. The circumstances he found himself in, he even shouted and says, Lord God, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken at some point. Yet he knew that this is the fulfillment of the covenant that he made with God. That it was because circumstances can be painful. Circumstances can be daunting. They can demand a lot of us. They can question our integrity and our morality. They can question our existence and our being. And you find yourselves yielding to the situation. Even the wife of Lord said to him, time has come now, Lord, that you can't be healed yourself. Irrespective of the God that you know, just curse him and die because eventually you're going to die. Look at yourself. Now, circumstances can push us to get into a situation that we are not supposed to get into and make us to make certain decisions that we should not be taking. Now, Abraham... In his situation and Sarai, it's very interesting that they did not laugh at the same time. Abraham laughed first. And when the, the conversation continued, Sarai as well laughed. And says, but this is impossible. And the angel of the Lord said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In our eyes, when we find ourselves in such circumstances, yes, 
all things are impossible in our eyes. But is there anything difficult? Is there anything impossible with God? Even in our current situations, even in our circumstances, even in our knowledge of the circumstances. When we know that we have tried certain things and failed, when we know that other people, we, we sometimes we even have references. You look at yourselves and say, if so and so can't make it, who am I to make it myself? Hallelujah. Amen. But the Lord said to him, at the appointed time. The way I do things as God is not the way you do things, Abraham. The way I count age is not the way you count age, Abraham. The way I deliver, it is not how you expect. I deliver at the appointed time. My appointed time and your appointed time might not be the same. They might not even collide. But at the appointed time, at the appointed season, because when you read it, it talks about two things. It says, at the appointed time in classic, uh, amplified classic, it says, at the appointed time, when the season comes around, Hallelujah. Seasons comes around, brethren. When the season has not come yet, you must allow the season to come. When you are in a dry season, we're just coming from winter, which is a dry season. And sometimes when you are in a dry season, I always say we eat even things that we ordinarily would not want to eat when things are right in a dry season. In winter, we dress the way we would not ordinarily dress or the way we don't like because we are forced by the circumstances of the season. In winter, we sleep some of us earlier than the time we would normally sleep because just sitting around is cold. And we hate waking up in the morning. But it is the results of the season. But at the right season, then we begin to dress the way we want to dress. At the right season, we begin to eat the things that we want to eat. We drink the things that we want to drink. And we go to the places that we want to go to. Because the season is right. Now, God says to Abraham, time and seasons belongs to me. They don't belong to you. Yes, you live in those seasons. You live in those times. But they belong, the measure of time and season belongs to me. The activities of time and season belongs to me. What you need to do yourself is to walk habitually before me. Is to live 
habitually before me. And when you do that, at the appointed time, at the right season, I will fulfill my covenant. I want you to walk with me. I want you to live with me in a habit that is consistent with my covenant. And when you do that, forget other things because time and season belongs to me. And at the right time and at the right season, I will fulfill my covenant. It's not up to you. The fulfillment of my covenant is not up to you. What is up to you is to walk and live. Hallelujah. Sometimes we stand on the way of the fulfillment of our own covenants. We, we are the ones that are standing in the way of it. Because we have our own timing. And we have our own seasons. And we've got our own reasons. Why we want certain things to happen. We want materialism to direct and lead our desires so that we can cope and feed in the environment that we find ourselves in. Hallelujah. And when we do that, we run a risk of missing the opportunity of the fulfillment of the covenant at the right season. Because we want to jump and be ahead of ourselves. In fact, we want to be ahead of God. Because he's the one that controls the fulfillment of the covenant. Now he said to Abraham, part of my covenant is that I will multiply you exceedingly. And he said to him before, go out and count the stars. If you can count the stars, and at that time, he did not say to him, I'm going to give you a child. He says, go out and count the stars. If you can count and number the stars, so shall be your descendants. And at the time, that is when Sarai, after Abraham spoke to Sarah, that is when Sarah said, no, 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 here is Hagar. We hear what God is going to do. We have an opportunity to help him. Let's help God. Here is Hagar. Let's make sure that it is fulfilled. But guess what? It gets fulfilled. Their own wish gets fulfilled. But the covenant of God is not fulfilled. Because God did not say, go and do this. But it was Sarah that says, at my age, I cannot bear you an heir. I cannot bear you a son. It does not happen to me anymore as it happens to young uh, uh, women. I cannot bear a child. Now here is my servant Hagar. She is at the right age. God will fulfill his promise and his covenant through him, through her. And indeed, God said to them, when, when Ishmael was born, that Ishmael I will bless. But Ishmael is not my covenant. I won't dump him. I won't leave him. But he is not my covenant. Because my covenant is Sarah is going to give you a child. Hallelujah. Brethren, it does not matter 
your surroundings. It does not matter your knowledge. It does not matter your experiences. When God has promised, the Bible says, he who promised is faithful. When God promises, he will fulfill his promise. There's only three things that he, re he requires of us. He requires of us to wait. And as we are waiting, to live and walk habitually before him. Yeah. Hallelujah. And, and amplified version, uh, it, it puts in brackets that live blameless, wholehearted, and complete. Live habitually before me and be perfect. Then in brackets it says, a person that lives habitually and perfect is blameless, is wholehearted, and is complete. But who will declare you blameless? You can't declare yourselves blameless. Only God can declare you blameless. Who will declare you to be walking wholeheartedly? Only God will declare you to be walking wholeheartedly. Who will declare you complete? Only God will declare you complete. Now, righteousness, as I said last week, is not an event. It's not an activity, but it is a process. Or should I say it's not a once-off activity. You don't pass righteousness. It's not an exam question. Hallelujah. <laughs> where, where I work, sometimes when we, we, we do... Uh, presentations and strategies and um, argue in, in trying to get the business right. Uh, my boss has this thing. Sometimes when you sit standing there and doing the presentation, she would ask and say, Skabe, what was the exam question? With, with what you are presenting, what was the exam question? If you were writing an exam now, what would you be answering? Because sometimes we provide a lot of information. We leave, we walk around, we do things, but just miss the question. You have 10 pages you have filled, you wrote, but you were answering the wrong question. Now, righteousness is not an exam question. Righteousness is a process. That is why he doesn't say sit. He says walk. Righteousness is a journey. Righteousness is a walk. Righteousness is a process. And in the walk, in the journey, in the process, you will be like David. On my path of righteousness, I will come across things that will want to make me fearful. On my path of righteousness, I will come across things that will want to make me doubt my journey. On the path of righteousness, I will come across things that will make me look around and say, but why? It is taking forever. 
because I have determined my own timing and my own season. But God says, nothing is impossible with me at the right time, at the right season. My covenant will be fulfilled. Now, as you walk, Bagreste, on the path of righteousness, the credit of righteousness is at the discretion of God. It is God that will call you his righteousness because righteousness is of God. Righteousness is not a man thing. It's not a human thing. Because righteousness is not a one thing. It's a combination of things. That is why in practice they say you must be blameless, you must be wholeheartedly, um, wholehearted, you must be complete, you must have the right standing with God, you must have the right walking with God. You, it's a myriad of things that combined, they form a character. And when that character is formed and you live habitually in the character, then you are declared by God to be what he wants to be, wants you to be. You don't walk around and say, I'm the righteous of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you can't declare yourself righteous. Righteousness belongs to God. Hallelujah. And, and you'd remember the, the Israelites were in, in, in captivity in Babylon during the time of prophet Isaiah. And they have committed a lot of things, uh, iniquities, sins, and things that made them uh, to lose connection with God. And prophet Isaiah has been warning them um, many times, you know, about four kings uh, during the time of, of prophet Isaiah, including the time of uh, uh, King Hezekiah. Now, they would even bring strangers to partake in the blessings uh, of God and, and forget the customs, the Jewish customs um, from where they're coming from. Now, when they were doing that, then they consistently kept on angering God. And the prophets and the high priests and everybody else will go and make sacrifices uh, for the forgiveness of the sins. But then God said to them through the mouth of Isaiah, uh, in the book of, in, in chapter, maybe let me start, read two, two chapters. Chapter 50, verse 1 to 2, uh, it says, Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions was your mother put away. Why, when I came, was there no man? When I called, why was there no one to answer? Because of their behavior, God sought them, and he could not find them. Now he's asking, where are you, Israel? Where are you, my beloved? Where are you, my called nation? You have sold yourself because of your iniquities. Now, sometimes, brethren, we, we find ourselves by lack of consistency in the walk. 
by lack of habitual walking with God, we find ourselves in difficult situations. Now, Israel found itself in those difficult situations. But besides that, God still assured them that you are my nation, irrespective of the things that you have done. I am still God. Let me find you when I call you. Answer when I call you. And in chapter 51, verse 1 to 2, he says, Hear again to me, you who follow after righteousness, um, after rightness and justice, you who seek and inquire of the Lord, claiming him by necessity and by the right. Look at the rock from which you were cut and to the hole in the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him when he was but one and I blessed him and made him many. Now God was saying to them, even in your difficult situation, even in your challenging path, there is an example that you must look for. If you want to pursue righteousness, look at the rock where you were cut from. Because you are a piece of a rock. You are cut from somewhere. Look at that rock and determine yourself. Answer yourselves. Are you still fitting with the rock that you were cut from? Can you still be associated with that rock as the piece that you're coming from? You're coming from a quarry. You were dark somewhere. Can you fit in the size and culture, in the dynamics of the, the, the quarry where you're coming from? Because if you are going to pursue righteousness, you must look somewhere. Now, Abraham became the epitome of righteousness. Those that want to follow righteousness, God says, look at Abraham. When I called him, he was one. But look at you today. You are many, for you are coming from this rock that believed and walked and behaved in a righteous way. And I credited righteousness unto him or unto his life. Now, righteousness is, is of God, but there are examples of people that walked before us. There is a cloud of witnesses of people that walked before God that were declared righteous. One of them is Job. He walked before God. And, and in fact, if you read the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiah, it talks about four men that were, 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 no, no, three, that were declared righteous. It talks about Job, uh, who, even when he was going through the difficult times, he never moved away from God. It talks about Noah, as an example, who, it says, Noah, by virtue of his work, he found grace. He found favor in the eyes of God. It says 
Even if I were to be angry, this is God now speaking. He says, even if I were to be angry and want to destroy the world, like it happened during the time of Noah, this man could not even save the world by their own righteousness, but they saved themselves. Now, righteousness, I said last week, is not a class assignment. You cannot save people by your own righteousness. But your righteousness will save yourself. People, yes, will benefit by being closer to a righteous person. But God says even Noah could not save them by his own righteousness. But he saved only himself. Hallelujah. Now when you walk... And when you live habitually and perfect, one of the benefits that you get before God is that in the midst of your situation and amongst other people or many people, you will find favor in the eyes of God. Righteousness, walking in righteousness or walking towards righteousness will bring favor to you from the eyes or in the eyes of the Lord. When, when the devil, if you read the book of Job chapter 1, uh, the Bible says when the angels were bringing worship to God, then Satan came with them. You know, when I read this thing, I said a little bit, brethren, and I reflected. Now, the angels are going to worship God. And Satan comes with them. Also before God. And God asks him and says, where do you come from? Satan I was just walking around to and fro, just checking what is happening on earth. And God said to him, have you observed my servant Job? And the devil says, oh, that one, uh, he's got everything because you're protecting him. He's okay, he lives nicely. Because your hand is upon him. And you're protecting all his riches. And God said to him, you can go and have, touch everything, but just don't touch his soul. Let, let me tell you, brethren, tangible things makes life easy, but they are not life. Riches make Life livable, but they are not life. The, the generation of today, they, they call it soft life. The things that you have, yes, they will give you soft life. Or they will give you an impression of soft life, but they are not life. 
Now what God was saying to Satan is that in him, in Job, I breathed my life in there. He lives my life. He walks before me. I can vouch for him. His life does not hang on the things that he has. His faith does not hang on the things that he has. His relationship with me is not dependent on the sheep that he has. Even if you go and take the sheep and everything else, for as long as you are not going to touch his soul, he will remain mine and he will remain faithful. He will continue to walk on my path. He will continue to be perfect. And, and the devil went and wanted to prove God. And I was asking myself the question, if today the devil were to go to God and God says to him, where do you come from? I wonder what would, would, would be the answer. When you were moving around Calvary, because let me tell you, he was with the angels. Amen? Amen. The devil was with the angels. They went to God. Don't think he's not here. Why, why do you think he can accompany the angels and not accompany you? Go in front of God with the angels when they go into worship. The Bible says they were going to worship. And he came along and says, ah, no, 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 I was just checking on the world, on the earth. And God says, have you observed my servant Job? If God were to ask today to the devil, coming from Calvary Seventh-day Community Church on a Sunday morning. And I'm just coming from Pretoria East. Who will God point and say, have you seen my servant Kapei there? Who walks and leaves perfectly, habitually before me? whom I am sure that I can credit righteousness to his life. Hallelujah. He's walking around and he's observing. That is why even the demon that Peter and Silas were casting uh, they started saying to them, says, no, no, no. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm a saver. Sorry, sorry, I'm a saver. And then we're in a... Who are you? Who are you? Because they're working with us, the demons. Hallelujah. 
He's living amongst us brethren. And what he wants is just that someone that I will distract from walking perfectly before the eyes of God. I'm looking for, or he's looking for that one that he can just move away from the will of God. Now I pray that we can walk persistently, that we can live persistently, habitually, before God, that even when the devil approaches God, God will say, no, don't worry. Uh, Calvary 7 dudes are mine. Even if you can take the roof, they will still be there. Hallelujah. Even if one day you go there, there are no instruments, there's no worship team, they will still worship. Hallelujah. Paul says to Timothy, or maybe before I go to Paul and Timothy, Paul says to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 3, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They go to the synagogues. They pay their tithes. They pay their offerings. They observe the Sabbath. They don't eat animals that they're not supposed to eat. They don't do things that they're not supposed to be doing because they are zealous for God. They want to worship God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge of God. Hence my prayer is that they may know God. That they may be saved. And know the knowledge or reach the knowledge of the truth. He says, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They submitted themselves to the law. They submitted themselves to practice. They submitted themselves to a mob thing. This is what we do. This is our culture. This is our nature but they did not submit themselves to God, to the righteousness of God, because they did not know God. I pray, brethren, that when we submit, when we walk, when we live habitually and perfectly, we may live with the knowledge of God. Because it is when we do that that God will credit righteousness to us. There are not many men in the Bible that were associated with righteousness. Not many. Because righteousness is God that declares righteousness. But as for us, is to pursue it. Now Paul says to Timothy, 
in First Timothy chapter six, First Timothy chapter six, verse nine. He says, "But those who crave to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish, useless, godless, and hateful desires that plunge men into rain and destruction and miserable perishing." For the love of money is a root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pongs. But as for you, O men of God, flee from all these things. Aim at and pursue righteousness. Godliness Faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness of the heart. Righteousness is to be pursued. And you pursue righteousness by walking and living habitually and perfectly before God. By making it your character. Making it your way of living. Let it be associated with you that this is how he lives. This is how she lives. This is how she behaves. This is how he behaves. It does not matter the circumstances or the surrounding. You can take him away from here and throw him somewhere else. He will continue to do that. Hallelujah. And he says into to the Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, For if any person thinks himself to be somebody, in brackets it says, too important to condescend to shoulder another's load when he is nobody. He deceives and deludes and cheats himself. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. Hallelujah. Scrutinize yourself. Scrutinize your own conduct. Check your own way of living. Check your own work. So that you, through the way you live, can have a confidence that I am walking on the path of righteousness. Let us stop. And, and Christ said to, to um, the people that were, were gathered in Matthew chapter 26. Um, no, no, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But before verse 33, if you read it, you, you will see where uh, from 31 up to 34, if you read it. But even if you read it before that, um, he's talking about us not supposing to worry about what we will eat, what we will uh, wear, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about all these sorts of things. 
Now, he says, uh, for the Gentiles wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. Now, this for me is an acknowledgement that Christ is aware, brethren. Remember, he lived here. He's aware of our needs. He's aware of our desires. He's aware of our challenges in pursuit of these desires and these needs. Now, he's saying here, don't rush to those things. Don't make them your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Yes, we acknowledge that you have to eat. But your worrying about eating must not lead you to sin. Your worrying about clothing must not lead you to sin. Your worrying about material things must not lure you out of the path of righteousness. Because sometimes we find ourselves yielding to the desires of the world because we want to fit in. And he says, and your heavenly father knows well that you need them all. Hallelujah. This but as for you, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. As you walk, as you live, as you work, pursue righteousness. The measure of it is at the discretion of God. When he will credit you with righteousness, it is at the timing of God. It is at the season of God. But that season is the season that we don't have control over. What we have control over is how we live, is how we walk, is how we behave, how we present ourselves, how we respond to things. It's our attitudes. These are the things that we can control. And let God at his own time, at his own season, to fulfill what he promised us. For he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. May we stand on our feet. In the book of Isaiah chapter 60, verse 21 and 22, it says, your people also shall all be uncompromisingly and consistently righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. All the things, brethren, that we possess, all the things that we do, all the work that we must do, all the work that we must take, 
It is not for us, but it is so that God may be glorified. Hallelujah. In Psalms he says, for the sake of your name, or for the sake of his name, he does things for the sake of his name, so that his name may be glorified. He says, at the right time, at the appointed time, I, the Lord, verse 22, I will make it happen. At the right time. Can we allow the right time of God as we walk in the path of righteousness to fulfill the desires of our hearts? Can we let the right timing of God as we walk through the seasons, as we walk through the dryness, as we walk through the plenty, as we walk through the lake, as we walk up the mountains, as we walk down the valleys, can we let the timing of God determine what is, the, is this that we're supposed to receive? How and when it is in the hands of God? Because righteousness belongs to God. Hallelujah. Let us not be moved by our circumstances. Let us not be shaken by our knowledge. As he said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is impossible with God. As for you, Paul says to Timothy, pursue righteousness. Don't be lured by the things of the world, but acknowledge that you live here. Acknowledge that you need to work hard. Acknowledge that you need to achieve these things, but they must not be your gods. Hallelujah. And he said to Abraham, I will then establish my covenant and I will fulfill it. May the Lord bless you. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We adore your holy name, God. For there is no one like you. Lord, we believe your word. We believe, Father God, that it is you who fulfills it in the name of Jesus. What we have to do, we pray for strength and ability and wisdom and power that as we walk, as we live, we may not be called or pulled astray by the things, things and circumstances that we know and live around. I pray that God open our eyes that we may see when we are pulled. Open our ears that we may hear you speaking to us and giving us direction. And that we may also hear the voices that wants to take us astray. In the name of Jesus, hide, hide this weight in us that it may teach us all the time the correct path of righteousness. In Jesus' mighty name, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit may be with us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And if you haven't liked, shared, or subscribed yet, make sure to do so. And always remember that no one stands alone.